everyone. It's good to be here. Um, it's good to uh, uh, hear our brothers and sisters in Christ on the uh, on the prayer line this morning as well. Amen. Um, you know, God works in, I guess, in ways that uh, not everyone can understand. Mm-hmm. I'll say I'll say it that way. I, you know, the Scripture says that um, you know who has the mind of Christ. Well, we do. Right. Um, so we we understand um, and and know the way God works. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a matter of fact, I guess I would say as I've learned over the years more and more so how God works. Mm-hmm. You know, on when I was a young Christian, I didn't quite understand how. You know, when the Bible said that uh, God was a, a jealous and vengeful God, how that same God could also be a loving God. Right. I, I didn't understand, um, you know, in, in one context where the Bible, the Bible says that God abhors evil mm-hmm. and how that same God could be one, uh, be a God of, of forgiveness mm-hmm. and long patience and understanding. I've learned over the years that God is... A lot. Um, God is multifaceted. Um, you know, not just that God is past, present, and future, but God is is all things. Mm-hmm. He is He is love. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I I really like in what uh, you know uh, Solomon wrote in the book of Ecclesiastes about you know every, for every for every time there is a. Right. Uh, for every moment, there's a there's a time. There's a time to kill. There's a time to love. There's a time to hate. And, and God is perfect in every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, in every time that uh, you know uh, God destroyed mm-hmm. um, is also the exact moment that God showed love. Mm-hmm. You know, those moments where God was vengeful. Is also that moment in God is is also that moment in which God showed mercy. Mm-hmm. God is everything all at once. I, I very plainly, without looking at a number of examples of reinforces, we uh, can look to the death, burial, and resurrection, or the the uh, the death of Jesus Christ. You know. Jesus went to his father in prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane and prayed for mercy. And he didn't pray just, uh, you know, casually. It says he prayed with the fervency of weeping, the fervency of his body, and such that he was sweating as if blood were pouring off of his body. Mm-hmm. He prayed for mercy. Did God give him a response? Well, God didn't. Uh, God didn't say anything. Well, we don't have an accounting of God responding to him. Even when Jesus was on the cross and he gave his left last breath and he screamed out, "Ali, Ali, 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 Sabakani," which is translated, "Father, Father, why have, why hast thou forsaken me?" That even then, even at that moment. You know, one would look at that and say, well, God is not a God of, of love, of, of mercy, long-suffering, and patience. But we know that even in that moment where there was a time to die, mm-hmm. that it was absolutely necessary and perfect in its time. Because we know that if Christ had not died, if God had yet heard the, uh, the vehement desires of his son at that moment, um, where would we be? Mm-hmm. We would not have an opportunity to uh, be spared. You know, I, I think back to even when uh, the Israelites were, excuse me, the Hebrews mm-hmm. uh, were cursed with walking through the wilderness of sin for 40 years. You know, as God said beforehand in his commandments, he said, thou shalt not, the first Commandment is thou shalt not worship any other gods, but to me thou shalt not put anything before me. And what did the Hebrews do? <laughs> they went ahead and did that exact same thing. And they, because God is a jealous God, mm-hmm. because God is a vengeful God, 
He led them through the wilderness for 40 years so that that generation that had committed said sin would not set foot, not set foot on the land of Zion, that, uh, that land that was promised Abraham. Right. Now one may say, well, how can a, again, how can a God be a God of, of, of vengeance, be a God of love? Well, he didn't just destroy them, did he? But what did they learn walking through the wilderness of sin? Well, they learned the goodness and the blessing, but they came to appreciate mm -hmm. even more so this land that they were about to inhabit in Canaan, this land overflowing with milk and honey. You can look at the map geographically about how when they left Egypt and they crossed the uh, um, the River Nile and it says that they, they took the southern route which is the long route you know through their, their through the uh, dryness and the treacherous terrain of the Sinai Peninsula before they came up crossing over what river? The River Jordan thank you on to and into the land of Canaan um, geographically we could say that's uh, uh, Israel at this moment in time. But my point being is that God is everything all at once. And so the title of my lesson is death. And uh, you may be saying, well, that's uh, an introduction. Um, well, the introduction maybe didn't, does it fit the gravity of the title? Mm -hmm. Well, here's what I'll say is that God is also in control of death at the same time in which he's in control of life. Mm-hmm. God is in control of death and at the same time in control of life. And I want to start off by uh, talk, giving you a definition of the word death. Um, I punched in the wrong word here. Give me a second. So I'm uh, looking at the Webster's Dictionary and it says uh, death is the action or the fact of dying or being killed. Uh, it is the end of life of a person or an organism. So, death is the end of a life. At least that's the way that we look at it in our terms. And uh, I just want you to keep that definition in mind. And I want you to turn, if you will, to uh, 1 Corinthians, the uh, 15th chapter. In First uh, Corinthians, the fifteenth chapter, <clears throat> um, we'll start reading at uh, verse number twenty-two. Uh, Paul, in writing to the uh, writing this epistle to the Corinth, uh, the church of Corinth, um, what was going on there? Just to kind of give, well, it was comprised of Jews and Greeks. Mm -hmm. um, it was a mixed heritage. Um, it was a blended congregation. Um, we know that uh, the city of Corinth was a popular port city, mm -hmm. so there were a lot of people from different walks of life coming through and uh, through this uh, this town to conduct business. And as we know, this particular congregation was not comprised, it wasn't homogeneous, homogeneous, excuse me. Um, you know, it didn't have just Jews, it was different people. And, uh, you know, they but they were bound together by one faith. Yet and still there were some divisions. And you'd think that because there were different people, that the divisions would be break based off of class, right. uh, off of uh, race, mm -hmm. uh, something along those lines. I mean, it's common for us, I mean, to divide ourselves based on, you know, what people look like and how much people make. Mm -hmm. But what we found here is that there were uh, divisions primarily based off of who is the chief who was the figurehead in the congregation in the very first chapter mm -hmm. uh, of 1 Corinthians? Paul uh, touches on this. He says that 
you know, that there were divisions that were commonly reported. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, if I can flip back there, I'll, I'll read just one or two verses here. Uh, he says uh, in uh, uh, verse number 10 of 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. You know, the, and he goes on to say that the, uh, the divisions were based off of people who preferred one man over the other. And, and really what this is all about is they preferred one translation, one interpretation, one understanding of the scripture over another, such that some thought, uh, well, you know, my main guy, the guy I look up to is, is Peter or Crispus or Apollos. Uh, or Paul even. Mm -hmm. And what uh, Paul is, he starts off very plainly saying that the body of Christ is not divided. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, there's only one head in the body of Christ, and that's Christ himself. Mm -hmm. uh, Paul reinforces that in Colossians, the first chapter, verse number 18, mm -hmm. by describing Christ as the head of the body, comma, the church. And so these divisions were commonly reported um, there were a lot of cliques going on, um, and they just were not bound together as one body. And I think about that in the context of um, what I know about me, what I've known about humanity, going through high school and college, even at, even at work, there are cliques. Mm -hmm. People like to, people have an affinity for what's comfortable. You know, they call it confirmation bias, right? We're all victims of confirmation bias in that we enjoy being around people that confirm or agree with the way that we view the world. But here in Corinth, they were split up, mm -hmm. right? They had different people who they aligned themselves with. Mm -hmm. Now, with that said, in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, starting at verse number 22, uh, Paul says, for as in Adam all die. Again, what is, what is, what is death? Death is, in, is, the, is the act of dying. It is the end of life. And so what uh, Paul says, for as in Adam all die. Mm -hmm. This is what your genetic heritage is, is that you will live to die because of Adam. So in Christ shall all be made alive. Mm -hmm. And so if death is one side of the coin or opposite side, one side of the spectrum, life is on the other. Mm -hmm. So our heritage physically, genetically is to die, but our heritage spiritually is to live. Mm -hmm. It goes on to say in verse number 23, but every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterwards they that are Christ at his coming. Now, if you want a pecking order, there it is. Mm -hmm. You know, the again, just kind of reflecting back to the uh, the premise of this epistle in the first place about divisions, is that uh, Paul is bringing back that Christ is the head. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, in... Uh, also in 1 Corinthians, he very plainly says that the head of the, head of the woman is man, mm -hmm. the head of the man is Christ, mm -hmm. the head of Christ is God. And verse, 20, verse 23 aligns with that perfectly. Mm -hmm. Continuing on in verse number 24. Um, uh, you know, this, this first fruits, then cometh the end. And what end are we talking about? When he shall be delivered up, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father, when he shall put down all rule and all authority and all power, for he must reign till he put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Mm -hmm. Again, what is death? Death is the end of a life. The the end of a life of a person or an organism. Something that was obviously alive, that was breathing, eating, 
um, extreme ways, um, multiplying, you know, something that was alive, no longer doing any of those things. Paul says here that the last thing that Christ had to overcome was death. How did he do that? Mm -hmm. I just want to, and we'll, we'll get to the how here in a few moments, but just continuing to read because when we get to verse number 31, um, it's very important that we understand what type of death or what is death to God? What is death to Jesus Christ? What, what truly is death in the New Testament Scripture, in the Gospel of Jesus Christ, such that Paul can say what he said in verse number 31. Mm -hmm. Continuing, verse number 27, it says, For he put all things under his feet, but when he saith all things are put under me, it is manifest that he is expected, which did put all things under him. And that's, that is a mouthful. Um, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll give you... Brother Garner's understanding of what Paul wrote here is there is a if if Christ is to overcome death then there should be an expectation that we should be able to see the manifestation of him overcome uh, of his overcoming death. Mm -hmm. I mean, it can't just be he just can't say well I overcame death and there be no proof. And when all things shall be subdued under him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, mm -hmm. that God may be all and all. And again, once he subdued death, guess what he's the master of? Mm -hmm. Guess what he is? it just says here? Once he subdued it, it will be subject unto him. So that God may be all in all. That, so that God will be the God of death, just as well as God is the God of life. Mm -hmm. He goes on to say in verse number 29, Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead, if the dead, not, if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then baptized for the dead? Now that's an interesting statement mm -hmm. here, right? Mm -hmm. Because we know what baptism is. We know that uh, you know uh, when we are baptized, what what do we do? We come up new creatures. Right. We are we are born again. Mm -hmm. Now I use those words because they're 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 direct um, excerpts from the Bible. Nicodemus. When he went to Jesus in the cloak of darkness, mm -hmm. said, Jesus, uh, I believe what you're saying. Not enough to come see you during the daytime, but right. I believe what you're saying. Um, you know, but, uh, and, and you're saying that uh, how, how can somebody inhabit this kingdom of heaven that, uh, I, you know, I have a cursory belief in? Well, I don't know if it was cursory, but the fact that he came in the middle of the night, um, you know, speaks volumes. But in any case, uh, he came to Jesus, Nicodemus, as a believer, came to Jesus and asked the question, uh, how can you inherit the kingdom of heaven? And Christ's response was, you have to die right. and be born again. Mm -hmm. Nicodemus said, well, how is that possible? How is it that... A, a grown man can go back to his father's womb and be born again. Mm -hmm. This mother's womb, sorry, yes. boy. <laughs> Thank you, Sister Garner. How can a man go into his mother's womb and be born again? Mm -hmm. uh, Nicodemus didn't understand that. Mm -hmm. And Jesus really didn't have, really at that time could not explain it to him because he himself had not manifested well, we just got through reading here about Christ conquering death. Mm -hmm. Verse number 30 um, says, And why stand we in judgment every hour? Verse number 31. 
Paul says these words, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. We cry. We have anxiety about dying. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul says that he dies daily. And, and, you know, he starts off this verse again by saying, I protest or I affirm by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. Now, if you continue to read on, um, he says in verse 32, After after the manner of men I fought with the beasts of Ephesus, what advantage is it me if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Mm -hmm. Again, what does it mean to, to die? It means the end of a life. So how is it that Paul can persist on a daily basis? How is it that Paul can live daily and at the same time die daily. How is it that God can be the God of death and the God of life? Mm -hmm. If you have your Bibles, uh, let's look at uh, John the 20th chapter. Let's uh, delve into this a little bit more. I'm going to be, I'm going to speed up the pace here. And uh, John, the 20th chapter, uh, talks about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Again, in order for, in order for, in order, as we just got the reading, in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, but if there was a prophecy that Christ would come and conquer death, Mm there's an expectation there needs to be a manifestation of that expectation Mm -hmm. meaning it's not enough to just say it Mm -hmm. (laughs) there has to be proof of it Mm -hmm. and I guess I would say by that same token if God is the God of death as well as the God of life Mm -hmm. Christ subduing death and now death means subject to him if we, if Paul dies daily but lives daily, then there has to be a manifestation of this in each and every one of us as disciples of Christ. Mm-hmm. In John the twentieth chapter, um, when we when we're looking at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, starting at uh, verse number eleven, I'm going to read it quickly. It says, "But Mary stood without us out at the sepulcher, waiting." Well, sorry weeping and as she wept she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and see two angels in white sitting the one on the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain mm-hmm. and they said unto her woman why weepest thou she said unto them because they have taken away my Lord and I know not where they have laid him and when she had thus said she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus mm-hmm. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be a gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Meaning, if you took him, tell me where he is, so I can take his and preserve his body. Jesus says to her in verse number 16, Mary, she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabbani, which is to say, Master. Jesus said unto her, Touch me not, mm-hmm. for I am not yet ascended to my Father. Mm-hmm. But go to my brethren, and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father, and your Father, and to my God, and your God. Mm-hmm. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord, and that he had spoken these things unto her. It goes on to say in verse number 19, that the same night, on the first day of the week, when the doors were shut for the disciples that assembled for fear of the Jews, it says, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, peace be unto you. Right. So what, what did Christ do? Mm-hmm. He died. Mm-hmm. 
he rose again, mm -hmm. right? He, he, his life was ended. Mm -hmm. He saw death mm -hmm. and he conquered death in the fact that he rose again on the third day. The expectation, the manifestation of this expectation, of this conquering was made evident in the fact that he showed himself to Mary Magdalene. And as we just got the reading here, he showed himself to his disciples. Mm -hmm. You can go back and read, uh, read the, the rest of John the 20th chapter about uh, Thomas, mm -hmm. who was one of the 12 called Didymus. Mm -hmm. What did he do? He doubted. He said, I won't believe that he conquered death until I touched the wounds of his body. And he yet did, and he believed. He goes on to say in verse number 30 of John the 20th chapter, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. In the Garden of Eden, there were two trees mm -hmm. amongst a multitude of trees. There was the tree of life right. and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Right. Adam and Eve hadn't eaten of any of the trees mm -hmm. at this point. It says that they ate of one tree. What was the what was the ramifications of them eating that one tree? It says that uh, you know God told him, "In that day that you eat thereof, thou shalt surely die." Mm -hmm. Satan comes to Eve and says, "You know what? God is only telling you that because He doesn't want you to be like He is, as a lowercase." G-O-D. And you won't surely die. Mm -hmm. We know that they ate of this fruit. Their eyes were open. They saw that they were naked. They were expelled. And you know what uh, God did? Mm -hmm. It says that he put a cherubim around the tree of life. Mm -hmm. Because if Adam and Eve mm -hmm. had eaten of that tree... They would live forever, and surely they would be as gods. Mm -hmm. Lowercase G-O-D. Mm -hmm. is, that, is, that, is, that is that a profound? That is actually in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Where God had to protect the tree of life. Mm -hmm. Because that was the only thing lacking. Just think about it. If we had the knowledge of good and evil, and we could live forever... We would be all powerful in the universe, mm -hmm. would we not? Mm -hmm. In the book of Genesis, when mankind was building this tower of Babel, and it says that they were building this tower, all of humanity came together to end exerted all of their uh, resources to build this tower of Babel so that it could reach up to heaven. Man was attempting to get up to heaven to be where God is. It says that God confounded <clears throat> their languages and spread them to the far corners of the earth because had he not done that, there would be nothing beyond the reach of humankind. Wow. Do you understand what what how God has created us? The, the, the powers and the abilities that God has encoded into our genetics. We also know that it is only through the temptation of this very same body that God has given us that it has prompted us to sin. That's the reason why the scripture tells us, for in Adam all will die. Because we know what the wages of sin is. Romans the third chapter and verse 23. Mm -hmm. For the wages of sin is death. Mm -hmm. 
So this this death that we're talking of, um, we go to the scripture reading, which was what again? Um, Hebrews 9, 27 and 28? Yes. Hebrews 9, 27 says that it is appointed. You know what it means to be appointed? It means that, you know, it means that somebody actively had to give it to you. I'll, I'll read the definition just so um, we're all on the same page here. Um, give me a second here. It says, uh, it says it's decided on beforehand mm -hmm. or designated. Do you understand what you know, if you read Hebrews 9.27, the Hebrew writer says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. Now, I, I, I will put an asterisk here in the lesson, and I'll, I will say that, you know, if you're going back and studying some of these scriptures, I would also just kind of put in here that uh, there is a transformation that occurs in baptism. Um you know, while, yes, we are appointed uh, to die once physically, we are not appointed to die twice. Mm -hmm. no. Which is the reason why Christ came into this earth to, uh, and he died once right. uh, for our sins. You know, God has called all men unto repentance. Mm -hmm. He doesn't wish that none will perish, but all will come to repentance and be saved. It is through baptism that we can avoid this second death, which was not appointed unto man to be partakers of. Mm -hmm. It wasn't designated for us. Mm -hmm. It was designated for Satan and his angels. So that's kind of the asterisk there. But uh, again, appointed or a designation. So it is, a, it is decided, it was decided before man, beforehand that all men shall die. And after that, the judgment. When did that appointing coming to being. Well, that appointing came into being that exact moment mm -hmm. that Adam and Eve partook of the fruit of the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I don't, I don't know if the prickly skin is coming up on, on your flesh here, but you realize that it is your knowledge of good and evil that is damning you, that is that has led to your appointment to death. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, let me let me maybe hit you with this. Death was not a part of the Garden of Eden. Mm -hmm. How do we know this? Because God told Adam and Eve that they could eat of any tree, including the tree of life. Mm -hmm. They had a choice. Mm -hmm. But there's a reason why they didn't eat of it, because, well, there wasn't a need to. Mm -hmm. They were in a place of perfection. They had just been created. Uh, Eve hadn't even been born. She was created as a fully formed female. Just as Adam was formed as a fully formed male, mm -hmm. they didn't know death until they ate of the knowledge of good and evil. They knew what evil was. They knew what good was. And it is that knowledge that has been genetically passed on, or excuse me, the, as Paul wrote for, for an Adam, all died, you know, this ramifications of that one sin is genetically encoded into all of us. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is, but if you were to go back and look at Adam and Eve's genetic uh, material before they ate, I'm sure it would be slightly different. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. So it's appointed unto man once that, but after that the judgment. Now, uh, brother, brother, people, read verse number twenty-eight, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna close. Uh, twenty-eight of Hebrews, uh, the ninth chapter. Yes. Sir. 
So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. That's right. So <clears throat> he will appear without sin unto salvation. Now let's uh, let's go back and read. Uh, just hold on to that, and I'll come back to it. But you know, just hold that uh, that verse. John, we read this. As a matter of fact, we just got through reading this uh, for our Lord's Supper. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> it says, John 53 through 58. Jesus said again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, mm -hmm. you don't have any life in you. Mm -hmm. You're dead. How can you be dead and alive at the same time? Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat man and are dead. Mm -hmm. He that eateth of this bread mm -hmm. shall live forever. Mm -hmm. So what's the difference between these two breads? One was a physical bread, the other was a spiritual bread. How can one be dead? How can one be alive and dead at the same time? One can be breathing but be dead spiritually. Mm -hmm. One can be dead physically, but also live spiritually. Right. God is the God of death, mm -hmm. because what? He is appointed unto every man to die. Mm -hmm. That is God doing that. That's not anybody else but God. Mm -hmm. God is the God of death. And how did he become the God of death? Well, he became the God of death, because his son conquered death. You know, the, the scripture tells us that we are dead to sin and we come up new creatures in Christ Jesus. Why or how do we do that? The same power that God used to raise his son from the dead is the same power that is able to make us new creatures in Christ Jesus. Because God is the God of death and the God of life. Amen. He can. He is that all at the same time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is how powerful, that is, again, the multi-dimensional aspects of our Father. Mm -hmm. So when Paul says that he dies daily, what is he saying? Mm -hmm. Well, every single day, mm -hmm. he is putting to death his flesh. Mm -hmm. And that could be another lesson in and of itself, but what I'm getting to here is the definition of dying. It's the end of things. Mm -hmm. Every day he is waking up, he is putting to end something mm -hmm. so that he can live spiritually. Mm -hmm. He is putting to death the desires of his flesh. Mm -hmm. So that he can live spiritually. Mm -hmm. He's dying and living mm -hmm. all at the same time. How is he able to do that? He's able to do that through the power of God who is all in all. Right. The master of death. The master of love. I, I do want to, I don't mean to put brother people on the spot, but I, I can feel the emotion um, about... Uh, you know, his care and love about those who have lived long lives, mm -hmm. you know, have served, who have suffered as a result of their serving. And I think about that, uh, as a matter of fact, I was having a, God, God works in wonderful ways. I was having a conversation with the gentleman, it was, I spoke to him for almost two and a half hours about 
his thoughts on reincarnation. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to him about, you know, my thoughts about death. Um, you know, his, and, I'm, and I mean no disrespect to his way of thinking, mm-hmm. uh, because it's his and not mine, mm-hmm. but it's his, so I respect that. Mm-hmm. But his thought is that the actions that you all, that we all partake in our bodies, will have an impact on our, our future reincarnations of our spirits. Mm-hmm. Right. So if something ha- bad happened to me today, it's a result of a transgression of maybe a past life. Mm-hmm. And I told him, you know, while I, while I don't ascribe to that belief, what I can tell you is, is that the Bible tells me something similar to, but in this context, that... Hebrews 9.27 tells me that I'm appointed to die once. Mm -hmm. And after that, I will be judged based on my actions. Mm -hmm. You know, that judgment won't manifest itself, you know, in a future, you know, lives. You know, I mean, I will be held accountable to my actions at the very, the second after I die, the exact moment after I die, I will be called, or the actions of my body and the words of my mouth will be called into judgment. I was talking to Thomas. Um, I asked him a question before he left. I asked him, son, are you afraid to die? Mm -hmm. And he said, um, in essence, I'm afraid... I'm not afraid to die, mm-hmm. but I'm afraid uh, how I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. I said, I get that. I understand that anxiety because, you know, all of us want to die in our sleep comfortably. None of us want to die in pain and anguish. Mm-hmm. Like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ did, by the way. Right. Death is always there. But if you practice dying daily, mm-hmm. when you actually die, you, it won't be anything to you. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why Paul said, uh, you know, in, it, after all the things that he has done, he's, he was ready to go. Right. Why? Because he died daily. He, 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 every single day, he mourned Himself, He mourned the passing of his body. Every single day, he, and I say mourn because that's what we do when people die. We cry for them, right? We, we, uh, we reflect upon their impact in our lives. And I guess I would say is if Paul died daily, mm-hmm. then we should all practice dying daily. And, and I guess even along with that, you know, Paul tells us, you know, that uh, we are to make good use of the day while we have it. Well, if I'm dying daily, and I know you die daily, well, what should the interaction between you and I be? Well, you should be mourning my death just as well as I should be mourning yours. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about weeping and crying every day. What I'm saying is, is just appreciating the fact that we have each other while we have each other. If you appreciate your loved ones while you have them, when they die and pass from this life, yeah, it'll hurt. Because we're human. But it won't, it won't truly be a devastation. Because I die daily. Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. And that is a, a scripture from the Old Testament, um, which makes absolute sense. It's actually a battle cry. Let's appreciate what we have right now. Let's enjoy it because tomorrow we're going on the battlefield to die. Mm-hmm. And Paul did that every single day. And that's what we should be doing every single day. It is possible to die and to live at the same time, just as well as it's possible to live and to die at the same time. I would much rather do the former, which 
is to die every single day to put to death the desires of my flesh, knowing that when I do so, I'm also living spiritually. We just got the reading. Uh, what does the scripture say? In, uh, um, I believe it's in Romans. No, it's not in Romans. Um, oh boy. Forgot the verse up the top of my head, but we, I, I mentioned before, it says that we are to present ourselves as a holy and living sacrifice unto God, which is our reasonable service. What does that mean? It means that we have to die daily. We have to sacrifice ourselves daily. We have to die in order to live. Romans 12. Romans 12. Thank you. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Romans, uh, and I had it marked, um, but my little bookmark was uh, in a different place. But thank you, Romans 12, verse 1. So the lesson is yours this morning. <clears throat> Speaking of physical death, it is a part of life. It's in our genetic code. It's, you can't run from it, you can't hide from it, because it's appointed. It was decided beforehand. Before you were even born, before you came to being, it was appointed for you to live and to die. Mm -hmm. You want to talk about uh, physics, right? There's, you know, there's a laws of physics that energy can't be destroyed; it can only be um, transformed. Mm -hmm. The Bible talks a lot about transformation from <laughs> death to life. Mm -hmm is uh, that we are to be, what is it, Romans 12, verse 2 says we are to be transformed in our minds. Um, you know, Romans says that, you know, in the twinkling of an eye, our bodies will be changed. Mm -hmm. We'll go from corruptible to incorruptible. Mm -hmm. I mean, that aligns with the laws of physics, does it not? Mm -hmm. But every single moment that we are living the life of a Christian, we are working on said transformation mm -hmm. from death to life. You got to practice it every day. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you're here this morning and you need prayers of strength, um, or if you're, if you're overcome with the fault, if you haven't uh, uh, been willing or able to die daily as Paul did, uh, that's okay. You can come to God this morning and ask Him for spiritual strength to, to do that, to overcome, you know, what it is that your body wants you to do. I, I don't, I don't, I'm trying to encapsulate it in my own head and put it into words. My mom would say, my mom would tell me this, um, be careful of what makes your body feel good. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is that makes your body feel good, you need to be watchful and careful with it. Mm -hmm. Anything, sugar, food, whatever it is, if it makes your body feel good, be weary. Because in order to die daily, you have to refuse your body of those things. Right, amen. And that's what Paul practiced doing every single day. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, prayer for me and maybe others that, you know, God will endow us all with the ability, the strength, the spiritual knowledge to do just that. Right. Um, we know that uh, in order to live faithfully, in order to be, uh, to partake, be partakers of that eternal life. Mm -hmm. Oh, where is the, the tree of life right now? Okay, does a tree of life who bears the fruit of life, <clears throat> does it die? Think about that for a second. So you got a tree. One out here. What happens when it drops leaves or drops its fruit or drops seeds? What, what is it doing? It's shedding a portion of itself. 
I mean, Jesus Christ even told us that in order for a tree right. to continue to bear fruit, what must it do? It has to be pruned. Mm -hmm. Sections of it have to be cut off and die in order for it to continue to bear fruit. Mm -hmm. So how can a uh, how can a tree that bears the fruit of life also die at the same time? Mm -hmm. Or let me rephrase this. Does a tree that continues to bear the fruit of life for all of the millions and billions of Christians that have been partakers of it, how does it continue to bear enough fruit for all of us Christians to be partakers of it? Well, it has to give up a portion of itself. Mm -hmm. A portion of itself has to die mm -hmm. in order for it to bear more fruit. Even the tree of life, there's an element of death associated with it. Because you wouldn't know death without life. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't know life without death. Mm -hmm. Why did Adam and Eve not drink, eat of the tree of, of life? Because they didn't know death. Mm -hmm. They didn't know what the fruit of the life was because they hadn't known death. They didn't know death until what happened? They ate of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. It says that their eyes were aware and they saw that they were naked. Mm -hmm. We don't know life without knowing death. Mm -hmm. And in order for those to partake, be partakers of eternal life, they have to know death as well. And what type of death? They need to know spiritual death. They need to know what is leading them. To, they need to know sin, which is the reason why we the gospel of Jesus Christ talks a lot about acknowledging sin. Mm -hmm. One needs to hear the, the oneness of the Lord, the oneness of faith, the oneness of hope, the oneness of baptism. The reason why the only begotten Son came into this earth and died on the cross for what? For sins. Mm -hmm. One must believe that. One must confess one must repent, and, and the repentance is really acknowledging, yes, as it states in Romans, the, uh, the sixth chapter, what is it, Romans 6, uh, Romans 6 and verse 3? Yeah. Three, four. Mm -hmm. um, no, 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 it, that's, uh, I was thinking Romans 3, 23. Okay. Uh, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 is the wages of sin is death. Right. I mixed those up in reference beforehand. But <clears throat> it's an acknowledgement that we're all sinners. Mm -hmm. And as a sinner, if I don't accept the gospel of Jesus Christ, I will die. Mm -hmm. It is only through death that I come to know the beauty of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the eternal life that comes along with it. That's again another reason why Paul died daily. In order for you to know the, the, the long suffering, the, uh, the, the mercy of God, you also need to know of the death of Jesus Christ. So the lesson is yours this morning. Um, if you have the urge and the need to do so, please come forward as we stand and sing the song of invitation.